Welcome to the Beantown Podcast. This is your host, Quinn David Furness. This is my voice. This is what I sound like. We are coming to you live from Beantown, USA. Beautiful 817 St. Paul Street. Welcome to the 2018 Oscars Predictacular. How are you? What's going on? It is a lovely week here in Beantown. There is a... Uh, not a polar vortex coming, but some sort of vortex that's about to to hit us tomorrow and, and Saturday. So if you haven't yet, go out and uh, and buy all the bottled water from the grocery store that you can get your hands on. Uh, yeah, we are really happy today to be joined by an old friend and old coach. He is the host of co-host of the Car Ride Convos podcast. You can check that out on YouTube and SoundCloud. It is absolutely hilarious, and I actually mean that. I really enjoy listening to it. Welcome to the show, Mr. Ryan Ligon. How are you? What's going on? I'm so excited to be on the Beantown podcast. It's been a dream of mine, and uh, yeah, it's, um, it's really a dream come true. Yeah, absolutely. So, Ryan, you are studying civil engineering at UMass. That is correct, yes? Yeah, yeah, that's that's correct. That's what I do, and uh, I hate myself for it every single day. So you'd say you, you're pretty qualified to make some Oscars predictions. You know, actually, my qualifications really stem, for, stem from, I've seen um, Black Panther recently. I really feel mm. like I know everything about film and film history. And uh, it's just really important to me. It's funny you should mention that. I went and saw Black Panther last night, 9.15 showing on a work night. So, yeah, I was nice. feeling I was feeling a little adventurous. But, um, yeah, I actually I did enjoy Black Panther quite a bit. I'm not normally a huge superhero guy or a Marvel person, but for all the, like, flaws that I, I had with Black Panther, there were equal, if not more... I think really important social and political and racial and uh, a lot of different adjective uh, commentaries and, and stances that the movie took that I actually uh, really appreciated. And I I was reading Chadwick Boseman, I think, is the, the lead actor, and he had an interview yesterday or something like that, and he was talking about how he views his character as... Uh, the villain of the movie Black Panther is the villain of the movie, and I actually really appreciated him uh, saying that because I—that's kind of what I was feeling the whole time uh, when I was watching that film. I actually really identified—I didn't identify, but I—I I saw the point of Michael B. Jordan's character quite a bit, and I liked him a lot. Uh, wh- what are your reactions to Black Panther? Um, actually, you know, I—I'm not just to preface this. I. And probably more so than you, but I, I I do not like Marvel movies. I it's a combination of you know the first ones. I mean, there's some good there's some good stuff in there somewhere if you dig hard enough. Um, but you know I've really suffered from the the Marvel fatigue as of recently. But this movie definitely had a lot of redeeming factors that I really feel like I haven't been you know experiencing with some of their more more recent releases so um to say that i didn't hate it is a super big plus for me and i'm not a michael b jordan fan but i thought that dude that dude had it on screen like that guy like i i want a movie you know based solely around his character yeah and um a lot of people really draw they, they they draw the line at you know the only two the only two villains that uh, Marvel has ever done right is is Loki and uh, you know Michael B Jordan's character, which I'm totally uh, what's his name again? Killmonger. Killmonger, yeah, yeah, Killmonger. Um, and those are the only two villains that, that that they've really done right in the Marvel universe. And you know, I really don't see look that. I kind of see him as he's he's such a good antihero. He's like a He's even more fun than Deadpool, you know? So I really think that Killmonger is the only, you know, um, villain that Marvel's really pulled out in this entire release order that I really think is super strong. And his motivations are very clear, and there's a lot of really great comparisons between 
um, him and Ra's al Ghul. Um, sure, from, sure. Batman Begins. From Batman, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, absolutely. I I mean, uh, so the gold standard for uh, superhero villains is, uh, in my opinion, Heath Ledger's Joker. And the reason Joker is so compelling is because he's not just this super-powered guy who comes in and tries to beat the crap out of you. And, and so I think there's there's different types of villains, obviously, but I feel a lot more compelled by the guys who have legitimate reasons for what they're doing and not just I'm going to show up. And I, I I always think of the final... So I know this isn't Marvel, so this isn't kosher, but the final fight between uh, General Zod and Superman in the original Man of Steel movie where they just like punch the crap out of each other for 10 minutes and they're both like these invincible deities and i that's what most marvel films feel like to me where they're just punching each other and it's like you guys occasionally one person will die but i don't know i never feel that moved by it so that's my biggest beef with superhero movies but yeah black panther did a much uh, much better job of avoiding that sort of thing in my opinion so no, I completely agree. I completely agree. And I'm, it's something that I kind of, I kind of went into the movie thinking that I would hate it. And just because I just, as of recently, every Marvel, the movie that I go in, I'm like, here's the same, you know, cheesy Disney formulaic, you know, repul- uh, um, shit that Disney puts out. You know, and, you know, what ended up happening is I was watching, I was like, mm, this is like, this is a very entertaining film, and um, I really hope I see, we, we get to see more from that character, you know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I I don't think I saw the second Avengers, probably for the fatigue reason, and I don't know if I'm that compelled to see Age of Ultron, because it kind of looks like it's just going to be two and a half hours of people punching each other so i don't know if if it comes out and the reviews are super positive and it's not just like oh my god the action was so cool like if there's something beyond that then i might shell out some money to go watch it but otherwise i'm i feel like seen seen one of them you've seen a lot of them so we'll see what happens yeah well let's uh go ahead and jump into our oscars predictions here for the listeners we are going to go uh we're going to make a prediction for every single category i think there's 24 categories so what we're not going to do is elaborate on categories like best documentary short subject because i haven't seen any of them and my knowledge is uh as limited as limited can be but we will at the very least make some stabs at each category and leading off for us we have best animated short film so i actually uh you'll have theaters around town that will you know show all the animated shorts and show all the live action shorts and the theater that's closest to me actually is doing this currently so i had the opportunity to go watch both of those sets of films um so best animated short film my pick is going to lou which is the pixar uh entry ryan what are your thoughts on best animated short um best animated short you're going with lou okay um i really have not seen any of these but i do happen to know of Max Porter's work, who is nominated for Negative Space, yeah, and so I will. I'll just throw it out there. No, no elaboration. That's that's just got to be sure. That's got to be the one. Yeah, yeah. This was the first year that I had ever had the opportunity to go watch um, all of the short film nominees, and it actually is a really enjoyable experience. So if you ever get the chance in the future to do that in theaters uh, for for everyone out there, I. I actively encourage it because it was really enjoyable. Negative Space was a really quirky, really different kind of animation. But, um, yeah, that was that was fun as well. Uh, next, we are moving on to uh, Best Live Action Short Film. Uh, so, likewise, I got to see all five of these in theaters. This one is tough because the one that I liked the most was My Nephew Emmett, which was based on 
uh, a true story uh, about lynching in the South in the 1950s. But here's the thing. So one of these films, DeKalb Elementary, is about a school shooting and voting opened up, I think, two days after the Parkland shooting. So I, I would be shocked if something else won. So my pick for best live action short film is DeKalb Elementary. Well, you know what? I'm going to have to go because I haven't actually seen any of these. I'm going to have to pick uh, My Nephew Image since you gave it so good of a review because that just seems like the right thing to do. Um, <laughs> I know the Emmett Till story. And, sure. Um, yes, it's definitely a really moving thing. And to see it you know, done in short form like that would definitely be something that I, I'm, I'm interested in. That sounds great. Yeah, absolutely. I think the uh, next next couple one, maybe next next two one here, next two ones best documentaries. Uh, I I have zero elaboration because I've seen none of them. So best documentary short subject. Uh, boy, I am going to go with heroin. What are you thinking, Ryan? Heroin. Um, could you actually? My computer just crashed. Can you read me those again? Sure. <laughs> so no, it's we're gonna make uh, the most of this year. Uh, yeah. So, <laughs> as I casually uh, switch to a different one that has all the uh, nominees on it. So, okay, so we're on best documentary short, and of course, it takes me to the top, and I'm looking at best picture, which is not helpful. Uh, hey, we're avoiding dead air. You know, we're we're mixing, we're mingling. It's working. Here we go. Uh, wait, wait. Actually, actually, it just popped up. It just okay. popped up. We're okay. Good. We're good. All right. We're good. All right. So the nominees are uh, Edith and Eddie, um, Heaven is a Traffic Jam on the 405, Heroin, Knife Skills, and Traffic Stop. Those are the those are the five? Yep. Yeah. Um, I've actually seen Heroin. Um, it's a Netflix documentary. Um, and as far as documentaries, I don't I could have sworn that documentary went 38 to 45 minutes. So I don't know what exactly they mean by short form, you know, versus long. Cause that seems, you know, decently long. Cause I remember it, it wasn't short. I mean, by any means, sure. I'm thinking, I'm thinking kind of 10 to 15 minutes here. Yeah. Um, but heroin wasn't bad. It, it was, it was a good, um, very, uh, deep dive into, you know, heroin, which is always, I feel like it's such a white person thing to say, like drugs are so fascinating, but yeah. I don't know. It's um, it's definitely interesting, and as far as streamable content, everybody has Netflix. I mean, stream it. It's not bad. It's pretty good. Great. So is that your pick? Yeah, definitely. All right, definitely there we go. Pick. There we go. Uh, that's the one I feel, out of all these, probably least confident in because I have no <laughs> knowledge no knowledge of, of any of it. Uh, let's go ahead and, and move on here to its, uh, its uh, partner, Best Documentary Feature. The nominees we're dealing with here are Abacus, Small Enough to Jail. That's the first one. Faces, Places, Icarus, Last Men in Aleppo, and Strong Island. Uh, likewise, with the, the short subjects, the feature-length documentaries, I really don't know anything about. So I'm just going to go off of what I've been reading, and that is Faces, Places. Ryan, what are your thoughts? My thoughts are exactly this. Like my previous, you know, streamable content, Icarus. Icarus, I thought, was actually, you know, so much stronger than the, the heroin short-form one. Um, yeah, it's basically just Russian Russian doping in professional sports. Very interesting. Fascinating. Absolutely fascinating. It seems very timely, yes. Uh wasn't there a there was a Russian curler who got uh, booted for doping? I think I think that happened like two yeah. weeks ago. That's yeah. I don't know, and, man. Um, was she the one? There. Okay. Um, I kid you not. There was a Russian athlete that was wearing a shirt casually in South Korea that said um, in Russian, "It said uh, I, I do not dope." Like, I heard about that. Sort of yeah, like, like meme or something like that, and she got busted for. <laughs> She got busted for doping, man. Man, it just, it must be just like so ingrained in the culture for you to, it's just like, you know, you're going to get tested. I don't understand. I, yeah. 
it's it's crazy i'm not knowledgeable enough about it to have a super educated opinion but it seems really stupid on their behalf oh yeah yeah i mean you have to watch it it's it's pretty it's wild yeah absolutely wild yeah, let's uh, let's let's keep slogging away through the uh, the lesser nominees here. Uh, best visual effects. Now, this is a really uh, interesting one because it, I feel like everyone at the beginning was talking about Blade Runner, and if there's something Blade Runner is going to win, it has a decent shot at this. But now a lot of people are talking about War for the Planet of the Apes. So I. And, and this is not a good way to vote at all, but I have seen Blade Runner 2. I have not seen uh, Planet of the Apes 3, so I am going with Blade Runner 2049. Ryan, what are you picking? Uh, that's a fantastic pick you just made. Uh, Blade Runner 20, 2049, you said you saw it? I did see Blade Runner, yes. Oh, it's it's great. It's great, and it looks, it looks beautiful. But War of the Planet of the Apes has something that... Blade Runner does not, and that is Andy, Andy Serkis. Circus. Yeah. Yeah, and his motion capture. So I, I gotta pick that one. I gotta. It's hard to bet against Andy Serkis' motion capture. That guy's very brilliant, and it's time that he get gets recognized for that. What uh, what did you think about Andy Serkis and Black Panther? Um. So. I don't remember. I'm pretty sure his character is in. Avengers Age of Ultron. Okay. I I believe. And I really like his character. Yeah. Like yeah. it's it's weird. It's really weird. Some juiced up crazy guy. I don't know. Um I I really but but I'm I'm also a lover of all things Andy Circus because I was not big into the Lord of the Rings movies. And okay. I remember him being the one person that really captivated me when watching sure so, sure um I'm, a, I'm an andy circus sucker you can call me that you know yeah he was he was pretty damn crazy in uh in black panthers his his character is always a little on edge and i think that that's that's something that can make you compelling right you're you're just kind uh-huh. of crazy and you're not predictable so uh yeah i i thought he was good he uh you don't see him much in the flesh but i know he was in uh, the Prestige as well, a Christopher Nolan movie that a lot of people don't seem to know about who I talk to. And I'm like, oh, that's a fantastic film. David Bowie plays Tesla in it. So, yes, yeah, yes. it's worth uh, worth a watch. Um, it, it definitely That's a shame that you know a lot of people that haven't seen that movie. That's a, that's a good one. Yeah, I'll, I'll talk to – so Christopher Nolan is, you know, I'm uh, no shame, one of my favorites. And, uh, you know, people – Pretty much everyone seems to know the Dark Knight trilogy and Inception, and most people, even though I didn't like the film that much, most people seem to know Interstellar. But you mentioned the Prestige, and they're like, "Oh, I'd never heard of that." Like, "Oh man, it's mm-hmm. it's Hugh Jackman, it's Christian Bale, Michael Caine, like a very prominent uh, British cast." But yeah, if if you're listening, and you haven't seen the Prestige. It's a fantastic movie. Scarlett Johansson looks pretty fine in it. So yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, we uh, we got to keep moving here. Uh, we have uh, two sound uh, nominee or uh, categories going here. And for as much as I love movies and pride myself to a certain extent on being somewhat knowledgeable with movies, I do not have a good way of differentiating between sound editing and sound mixing in terms of what movies are more competitive than other movies in those categories. Ryan, do you have anything on the differentiation between editing and mixing from an Oscar standpoint that you can shed light on or, or are you lost as well? No, it's funny because at one point in my life, I wanted to be an audio engineer. Um, and, uh, you know, this has always been such a perplexing uh, differentiation between the two. And the best the best I can tell you is that um, so sound mixing, I think, is very exemplified by. Have you seen Dunkirk? Uh, yes, I have. OK, so sound mixing, you know how it gets like, I mean, your ears start bleeding at some points in Dunkirk. Yeah, yeah. 
and how obviously there's choices to really max out the audio in those situations. Um, that's kind of, I feel like, is exemplified, you know, in the sound mixing area by Dunkirk. And editing, I would assume, is something to do with effects layering, which would be more like a very cliche, like Star Wars. You know what I'm saying? Like, sure. you need the lightsaber sounds and, like, the... Um, the swole bin memes, you know, you need all that stuff and just like mix it in there. Um, yeah, that's the editing versus mixing. That's the best I got. And I really don't have any more than that, which is unfortunate considering that was a career path. I once considered. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I let's, let's throw some predictions out there. I, I again, feel unconfident disconfident, not confident, uh, in this one. Although I, I feel like, for for each so the both categories editing and mixing have the same five uh films nominated as if it wasn't confusing enough um <laughs> very helpful for us from the academy i so what everything i've been reading has said that baby driver could take one or two of these but it seems like dunkirk is probably the safer bet i really liked uh baby driver i i thought it was in a very enjoyable uh, film for what it was. So uh, here we go on a limb. Let me take Baby Driver for sound editing and Dunkirk for sound mixing. I have no strategy behind how I split those two up, but uh, yeah, that's that's what we're saying. Ryan, what are your thoughts? I'm gonna the no strategy, this no strategy as well, and take. Baby Driver for mixing and Dunkirk for editing, as long as that's opposite. I, I believe it is, but it's <laughs> it's late enough, and I had a couple beers already tonight. To we might wake up tomorrow and find out something completely differently, but that's okay because we are going to keep moving to best original song. I for a long time had been reading and was hearing that. Uh, the song from Coco was like a lock for this and that it wasn't really that close. I have now started to hear the song from uh, what the Hugh Jackman movie, which is embarrassing that I am forgetting the greatest showman. I've been hearing that that song is starting to maybe creep into the discussion, but I'm going to go with my gut for best original song and I'm going to take remember me from Coco. Nice, nice. That's a good pick. That's a good pick. Very good pick. Well, um, yeah. I don't know how I'd not pick either Mary J. Blige or Suffolk Stevens. Okay. Like that's okay. just that just doesn't sound like something that I wouldn't do. So I'm gonna go Mystery of Love from Call Me by Your Name by Suffolk Stevens. Very good. Did you see Mudbound? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's on Netflix, right? Yeah, everybody, everybody, if you're listening to it, you have Netflix. Don't act like you don't. You're stealing someone's password. You're listening to this. Watch Mudbound. It's a great movie. It's great. A little somber at times. Okay, mostly somber. <laughs> but totally worth the watch. If you're paying, what is it, nine ninety nine a month now? thirteen ninety nine a month? I don't know. It keeps on getting jacked up. Watch Mudbound. Just do it. It doesn't take that much time. It's like an hour and 48 minutes long. It's fun. Yeah, it's not so bad. It's definitely on my uh, short list of... I'm not going to be able to get a viewing in before the... The Oscars, but yeah, definitely this this month when I'm not going crazy on uh, college basketball, I will certainly have time. <laughs> oh yeah, man, for... you gotta you gotta tune into that Villanova, see see when they're gonna implode at any moment. You know, <laughs> I saw it. So while we like while we were talking before this, I had the um, let's see, it was oh, this is a great podcast. Uh, Virginia versus Louisville on, and Louisville was beating Virginia by two with one second left and I, I just had like the the game cast up i didn't have a feed up and virginia won by one point meaning they presumably hit a three-pointer at the buzzer with one second left uh wow. to win. so i i have no rooting interests for uva or louisville although I, I never mind it when louisville loses um so i'll have to check that one out on the highlight reel after we finish up here, but I was at trivia earlier tonight and watching my team, Wichita State, play uh, Central Florida, and they 
they got a little bit of a scare on the road that they uh, went into overtime and, and won there. So, Ryan, are you a college basketball person at all? Uh, yeah, but I don't I don't really have, like, a team. Like, I set up every year, and I'm like, this is this is my team. Like, I'm choosing, I'm choosing this. I have no loyalties. I have no, you know, every college I've ever gone to is, like, sub D2, you know, so... Yeah, I'm. I'm not really. I'm not really too, too worried about affiliations and stuff. So I pick a team every single year, and um, this year I've been pretty perplexed. Uh, Virginia's playing well, but they don't excite me. Just like Villanova doesn't excite me because they both do two things really well. They both are good defenders, but as far as their offense, sometimes their offense really suffers in the drought. You know, so sure, sure. I don't know. I, I haven't made the decision yet. Eventually I will. Um, Auburn is looking like it might be might be my team this year. You never know. OK, but OK. Who knows? Well, we got selection Sunday in what, 10 days here, nine days, something like that. So yeah, exactly. Yeah. This uh, Big Ten tournament happening right now. Northwestern lost today which was disappointing so they're done for the season after last year's cinderella which was so cool and this year they lay a giant egg so yeah it was uh it was pretty disappointing but oh well let's uh let's keep going here before we run too long so we are still on music music original score Ooh, so this is actually a really interesting one that i i haven't given that much thought to john williams nomination number 51 i don't think he is competitive for this uh but boy best original score i love hans zimmer i love the dunkirk score but i am gonna go with shape of water on this one i liked that score i thought it fit the movie uh really well what are your thoughts ryan well this is this is kind of your expertise right uh, you would think so, but probably not. Really, <laughs> I don't know. I, I I trust that you have me. You have me beat here. Um, I'm gonna go with the Phantom Thread. Um, okay. There's something about the Oscars that those people, the judges, they just love eating up that that biopic, old school film stuff. Very uh, proper piano, you know. So sure. I'm gonna go with that one. Sure. Uh, okay, next we have what I think will be a quick one because I've never heard anyone else say anything else. Uh, best makeup and hairstyling, I'm going with Darkest Hour. Uh, Darkest Hour, that's a, that's a good one. I'm going to go with uh, Wonder. Okay, okay. I, I feel you. That's that's it, To me, it feels like going out on a limb, although I don't know much about Wonder, so I guess we'll find out. Did you see Wonder? Uh, no, but I, I've seen a lot of trailers for it, and I can just tell. But I, I think that you definitely have the advantage with The Darkest Hour. The one, the only other one nominated is Victoria and Abdul, which I I don't know anything about. Out of all of these movies, nope. I've, I've not heard a single peep about it, so I don't know. Yeah, I, uh, I don't know much about that. Uh, best film editing is next, and this is one where... I think Christopher Nolan is obviously not physically winning the award for this one, but I, the the editing for Dunkirk was just so uh, different, but it worked that I, I haven't read anything else that is going to make me say, oh, yeah, that's it's definitely going to be this one. So I like Dunkirk for best film editing. How about you? I feel like this kind of edges into um... – kind of the main categories and i really feel like this is where three billboards outside of ebbing county uh ebbing missouri i thought it was ebbing county ebbing missouri um really starts cleaning up so i'm gonna have to pick john gregory for that one very good very good next we are at best production design this is a category that i admittedly feel relatively lost on uh and i i understand what production design is but do i really feel confident in my ability to differentiate and pick not really so i am going to go ahead because it's not going to get anything else and go on a limb here and say beauty and the beast 
for best production design. People aren't really, aren't really talking about it. I think it's the only category that it's nominated for. Uh, but it was either the first or second highest grossing film of 2017. So let's uh, let's let's take a sleeper pick here and go for Beauty and the Beast. What are you thinking? Man, you know your sleeper picks. That's, a, that's actually a good one. I, I haven't seen the movie, but um, my wife has, and she told me how incredibly intricate everything is on that one. But I'm going to have to go with a different intricately designed production. And that is Blade Runner 2040. You've seen the movie, so you can definitely probably agree to, agree to some degree. That is pretty crazy production design on that one. Absolutely. Yeah, there isn't really a... Uh, I'm looking at the nominees for that one. I don't think there's really a a wrong choice for best production design. They're all very good mm-hmm, movies. Exactly. And yeah, so uh, yeah, I don't have much of a uh, any sort of knowledge or, or edge in that, but I say, hey, let's, uh, let's go for it. I also did not see uh, the new Beauty and the Beast movie, but I am a big Ewan McGregor fan, so maybe one day... I will check it out. I think he plays the uh, the candlestick, something like that. Um, let's go ahead. I I think this, at least for me, is another quick pick. Uh, best costume design. I am going with Phantom Thread on that one. Phantom Thread, nice. Um, it's not loading up for me currently, but I'm gonna have to pick The Darkest Hour. I'm sure it's I'm sure it's nominated, right? Let's see. You're you're right. So we're looking at so okay. So Beauty and the Beast was nominated for this as well. Then we have Darkest Hour, Phantom Thread, Shape of Water, and your favorite, Victoria and Abdul. <laughs> Victoria, yeah, I'm having to pick Darkest Hour on this one. That okay, seems, that seems about the the pick. If you're not careful, Victorian Abdul is going to come in and, and uh, steal Best Picture before we they, know what's they going not, on. They might just clean up the night for all I have no idea. <laughs> all right, let's keep going. We're starting to get into some some heavy hitters here. Uh, we're getting into that territory. Uh, our first really big one here, Best Cinematography. Uh, boy, I have – this is actually one I've thought – a lot about and i'm completely torn between blade runner and dunkirk but a lot of people are talking about roger deakins and how many nominations he's gotten and hasn't won yet so i it feels right i'm gonna go ahead and go with blade runner for best cinematography that's a that's a definitely commendable pick that's solid um that's probably that, i don't know my first choice is kind of tied, so I guess I can I can pick my my second. But Rachel Morrison for Mudbound, I mean, mm-hmm. absolutely killing it in that movie, um, which is not a surprise. I mean, she's she's very talented. So uh, yeah, but I, I I don't see a situation Roger Deakins or Rachel Morrison don't walk out with this thing. Sure, and and for the record, I no one's saying you can't pick what I pick, so I don't want you to be losing any money here, but... Uh, oh, no, 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 we're good, we're good. We're all good. right, we're good. all right, well, you're, you, I don't want you to make a fool of yourself on, uh, you know, <laughs> what could be America's number one podcast with uh, exactly. with some time here, so, um, yeah, let's, let's keep going. I think uh, this is another one that should potentially be quick, at least on my end, best animated feature film. It's not Boss Baby, I'm going with Coco. <laughs> Uh, it, you're absolutely right. This is actually a pick that I will, I will double with you. Although an honorable mention should be um, Loving Vincent. That movie, I don't remember how long it took to make, but supposedly they painted every single frame mm, yeah. in the Vincent Van Gogh style. Absolutely incredible. But I think Coco walks away with it. Uh, definitely not Boss Baby, though. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> I did not see Boss Baby. Did you? No, but I, I saw the trailer, and that was, <laughs> that was enough. Well, it did something right to get nominated for an Academy Award, so, I mean. It, it had to have. It had to have, but it's so perplexing seeing it on here. <laughs> and I'm just like, really? What, like, what's, I don't know. I don't know. Andy Serkis must have been the baby. Or something. <laughs> so some motion capture or something. Well, I have no idea. It, I am so perplexed. 
It's definitely no uh, Victoria and Abdul, but it will do. Um, okay, here's another really interesting one, uh, at least from my perspective. Best foreign language film. So I'll go ahead and read off the, the nominees real quick. We are dealing with uh, The Insult, which was a lesbian film. I was surprised to see that. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, Lebanese, uh, a fantastic woman. <laughs> Similar but different. Uh, uh, Fantastic Woman, which is Chilean. Loveless, which is Russian, which is coming to my theater next weekend. So I will not get to see that before the ceremony. Um, On Body and Soul, which is Hungarian. And then The Square, which is Swedish. I have seen two of them. I've seen Fantastic Woman and I've seen The Insult. Uh, I am going to go ahead and pick Fantastic Woman for foreign language film. What are you thinking? Nice. Um, I'm actually weirded out. I could have sworn there was a German film that was not. I guess I'm wrong. I guess though because it was starring Diane Kruger. Um, I don't remember the name of it. I don't know off the top of my head, but we've got the uh, the internet up, thankfully, and and we'll check out uh, what's going on. No, I mean I'm obviously wrong because I'm looking at the same list too. Um, but I could have sworn that they, that was nominated as well. Um, and I'm looking at it. I'm totally dumbfounded. In the so fade. I'm... Yeah, yeah. Um, I guess that wasn't nominated. Interesting. Yeah, um, it, I guess not. No, you're right. It was selected as the German entry for the best foreign language film, but then it didn't make it to the. So it was on the short list, and it didn't make it to the wow. the final five. So. Interesting. Interesting. Well, you know what? Today seems, I mean, not today, but this year just seems like the year for Russia. So I, I can't not pick Loveless, right? Sure. It's like a, a perfect year for Russia to win it, you know? Well, cheating scandals, yeah. It seems like a very the 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 trailer seems very intriguing. I I I will be going to the theater uh, to watch that at some point in the next two weeks. It seems like an interesting movie, but I I really don't know enough about it right now uh, to be Is able to. Is it pay. animated? I can't tell from. No, the, it's not. The screen no. Grab. Okay. No, no. Live action. Um, nice. Yeah. Okay, that's foreign language film. Uh, we are into the big dogs now. Um, best original screenplay. So, again, nominees for best original screenplay. We have Get Out. We have Lady Bird. We have If My list would load i could tell you the other ones um the big sick i think is on there you are probably right let's see i i've got two different lists going here and it's uh difficult to scroll back and forth i don't know why this one has screenplays all the way down to the bottom okay original screenplay get out ladybird big sick shape of water and three billboards this is one where i am going uh Get out, not super confidently, but I, I don't know. I think if it's going to win anything, this is the one that it's got a shot at. Yeah, I I agree. I actually put money down on <laughs> on this one winning. I think it I think the odds are, are definitely in in favor because I remember I didn't put down a lot and I think the, the outcome is like I don't know, three hundred dollars or something that for only putting down five bucks or something. Um but I'm going to go with another long shot since you're, because you're, I agree with you. I think that, you know, Jordan Peele, I think it's a good, he's definitely got a good shot in this category. But I'm going to go um, Kumail Nanjani and mm. his wife, um, forgive me for not. Emily V. Her. Gordon. Okay, yeah, yeah, uh-huh, exactly. Um, for The Big Sick. That's that's what I'm going to go with. Very good. Very. I liked The Big Sick. I would have loved to see uh, Ray Romano and or Holly Hunter get some sort of nomination, but the I mean the acting fields are are pretty stacked as they yeah, are. Yeah, they're stacked. But honestly, I mean, I don't think Ray Romano has. I mean, he he killed it in that movie. It was great. That was yeah. that was the one thing that came away from that movie that I was like, oh my goodness, like this guy, this guy needs more work. Like get him out there. Yeah, yeah. I love when he goes on uh, Kimmel because his son works for Jimmy Kimmel. And so he always brings him out and tries oh, to get really? him dates and stuff. It's pretty hilarious. You can find stuff on YouTube, but yeah, Ray Romano is a, for all the, uh, hate that everybody loves Raymond gets Ray Romano himself is actually a pretty 
damn funny guy. So um, let's keep going here. Uh, one that I feel very confident in pick-wise, best adapted screenplay. Uh, we have for nominations, Calling By Your Name, Disaster Artist, Logan, Molly's Game, and Mudbound. I'm going with Calling By Your Name on this one. Nice, nice. I actually, that's one of the ones that I haven't seen. Um, I have a really hard time not picking. Uh, do I go Aaron Sorkin or do I go Mudbound on this one? It's hard to bet against Aaron Sorkin. I'm going to go Virgil Williams for Mudbound. Okay, okay. Yeah. I got to see this Mudbound because you, you sure seem to be putting a lot of chips I on like it. it. So. I mean, if, if, I'm, I'm, if I'm having a hard time deciding between. Aaron Sorkin and Mudbound. I mean, we it's definitely something worth watching. Sure. I, I hear you. Okay. We are into the the final stretch here. We have our four major acting categories, none of which, let me preface it with this, I don't feel like any of these we're going to see any surprises or upsets, but then again, I guess you never predict uh, a, a surprise or an upset that's the nature of a surprise and an upset so let's start with best supporting actress we have uh Lori metcalf nominated we have allison janney nominated we have uh the lady from phantom thread leslie manville we have octavia spencer and we have mary j blige of course Unless you're living under under a rock, you know this. Allison Janney is the big favorite for this. What I just want to say here is, yep, I'm picking Allison Janney, but man, I loved Laurie Metcalf and Lady Bird. Probably my favorite performance of the year. I think she just captured that uh, like working class mom, just I American ideal so well, and she just executed it flawlessly. So. I think Allison Janney was fantastic. I think she deserves it, but I don't think Laurie Metcalf does not deserve it. Um, but my pick for best supporting actress has got to be Allison Janney. I, Tanya. Um, I'm going to have to actually go Laurie Metcalf. You know, I haven't seen the movie. I've heard a lot of buzz about her, but I also haven't seen I, Tanya. So I guess it's kind of fair in this realm. Actually, aside from Mudbound, I haven't seen any of the other. Mm. Uh, nominations either. So, going Lori Metcalf, uh, she's great, and I'm excited about the uh, the Roseanne. A, <laughs> I'm glad you it mentioned that. Uh, it's it a, it's a continuation, I think. Yeah, but do people know John Goodman dies at the end of Roseanne? Apparently not. <laughs> He's <Wow>. back, baby. <laughs> Unbelievable! Unbelievable! Uh. Yeah, going Lori Metcalf on that one. <laughs> Yeah, maybe we can get uh, Roseanne to come back and sing another national anthem. Maybe the next all-star game with Fergie. That would be great. Please, please do a duet. (laughs) That would just make my life so – I'd feel so much more important if that happened. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, Actor in a supporting role. So we have Christopher Plummer, All the Money in the World. Of course, he replaced Kevin Spacey and filmed his stuff in like – 35 minutes i think uh that's not correct but uh richard jenkins shape of water two from three billboards we have woody harrelson and sam rockwell and then willem defoe florida project this is going to be kind of similar to uh what we just talked about in that sam rockwell is by and large the favorite right now and yep he's going to be my pick but two things i want to say here uh first uh michael stuhlberg in uh, Calling by Your Name was spectacular. The speech he gives at the end of it uh, to his son, Timothy Chalamet, is probably the, my favorite thing I've ever seen uh, on film. It was just uh, amazing and so poignant. So I was really bummed that, uh, that Michael Stuhlberg did not get nominated. He was also in The Post and Shape of Water, so he just kind of managed to be in three of the best films of the year, which was really cool. The other thing I want to say is Willem Dafoe and The Florida Project. A lot of people I talk to have never even heard of The Florida Project and haven't seen it, of course. Um, if you get the opportunity to watch The Florida Project, Willem Dafoe gives a spectacular performance. It's really hard to put it into words why it's so good. You just sort of have um, to watch it, but it's he, he plays a motel manager who sort of takes on a... Uh, 
a patronly type uh, position, not patronly, paternal type position. Those, those are different words. Um, it, and yeah, he's just, it's way different than Spider-Man, if that's what you're thinking of. So uh, my pick for actor in a supporting role is Sam Rockwell. Ryan, what are you thinking? Um, I got a couple notes before I make my pick. Uh, Sam Rockwell, uh, you ain't shit, buddy. Me and my wife saw you walking your dog in New York City. I think it was like west of uh, the big park, you know, the Big Apple. And um, yeah, buddy, you, uh, you're, no, he's, he's a good guy. He's a good guy. We saw him and I was just like, who is that guy? Who's that guy? And my wife and I were going back for like 25 minutes and we were like, that's the guy from Moon. That's that guy. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, just very, very interesting thing. Uh, second point, Richard Jenkins, my boy, from DeKalb, Illinois. There we go. There we go. Virtually, and I grew up close to, not completely, um, but my pick, man, I'm going to have to, Willem Dafoe. I mean, you've seen the movie. I've seen the movie. Uh, just an absolutely solid pick. Uh, but my... My my ghost on this one, my my uh, my what is it? What's it called? The ghost horse. My um, you're thinking of Ghost Rider with Nicolas Cage. Ghost Rider. <laughs> exactly. Um, no, my uh, dark horse. My dark horse. Perfect. Perfect. Um, Woody Harrelson. Not bad in Three Billboards Outside of Ebbing, Missouri. Sure. Not bad sure. at all. Um, guy really knows how to wrap up a solid role. So. Yeah, I, I was having this conversation with my parents a couple of weeks ago after they saw Three Billboards, and we both are just really happy with how well Woody Harrelson is doing from a, like a serious acting uh, point. He's just a very likable figure and is a fantastic actor and just seems to be doing all the right things right now. So, yeah, really, exactly. uh, yeah, really happy for him. Um... I'm not going to give any spoilers away or anything like that, but he writes a note at some point in the movie, and you can really tell by the by what he has to say with the note and what sort of connotations the note has. Uh, the guy who wrote this movie needs to write more. Yeah, he's I, I, he's a playwright. He's uh, very famous as far as New York plays go. Um, yeah, this guy needs to do more stuff because I mean, you, you you and your family saw the movie, just absolute killer. It's 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 a very moving it's a very moving uh, speech mm. from the letter. It's, it's very crazy. Absolutely. Let's let's uh, plug on here. Actress in a leading role, we have Sally Hawkins from Shape of Water, Frances McDormand from Three Billboards, Margot Robbie from I Tanya, Meryl Streep from The Post, and Saoirse Ronan from Lady Bird. I am again gonna go with the flow here and take Francis McDormand, three billboards, um, two notes. I, I really liked Sally Hawkins in shape of water. I, I don't know Sally Hawkins very well. Um, but to do what she did in that film, uh, without saying a single word pretty much. And that the emotion that she put in her facial expressions is really well done. So I commend her for that. And then Saoirse Ronan, this is her third, Oscar nomination and she's what like 23, 24 I think Uh, that is pretty damn amazing Um, so she was wonderful in Lady Bird as well I just think Frances McDormand is in a different stratosphere for this performance specifically Uh, so I'm going to stay mainstream and and pick Frances McDormand solid Um, I gotta follow suit I really don't feel like that there's any any other nominee other than Francis McDormand is going to come away with this one. Yeah, and the last thing I'll say about that, it just says I was thinking about it. Margot Robbie and I, Tanya, that, that was a wonderful film, and all the acting in there was was great. And uh, Allison Janney will steal the headlines because kind of like Gary Oldman, she just completely took over that role. Gary Oldman didn't play uh, uh, Tanya Harding's mom. It was uh, actually winston churchill but um no margot robbie is kind of going overlooked in this category which is fair because i don't think that she's competitive but her performance in itania was really strong if you haven't seen itania uh 
it's a really captivating, entertaining movie, like very well paced, very well edited. Music is wonderful. So uh, Aitani was a really uh, enjoyable film as well. Um, let's, uh, let's finish up the acting category here, one that might be the biggest lock out of anything we have on the circuit today. Uh, actor in a leading role, we have Denzel Washington for Roman J. Israel, Gary Oldman for Darkest Hour, Daniel Kaluuya, Get Out, uh, Daniel Day-Lewis, Phantom Thread, and Timothy Chalamet, Call Me By Your Name. The, my two notes here are that Timothy Chalamet was amazing, and I truly believe that the performance he gave in this film was leaps and bounds worthy of an Oscar. Uh, the other thing, Daniel Day-Lewis said that this is going to be his last film, he was great as well in Phantom Thread, but it was so, I guess, subtle and controlled that it's just not not enough to compete against uh, Timothy Chalamet or Gary Oldman, in my opinion. And, of course, it's what everyone's talking about. Gary Oldman's finally going to get his Oscar for Darkest Hour, and I am not going to be the guy who picks against that. Ryan, your thoughts? Um. I'm going to have to follow suit on this one. It's really hard to, I actually have, I have money on Daniel Day-Lewis. I have, uh, let's see, I have 10 on Daniel Day-Lewis, I believe. Um, which I think if he wins, I, I can't remember if it's him or the post, but $10 down gets you like $700 or something like that. And I just don't see like why you would ever not bet against Daniel Day-Lewis. Sure. But at the same time, I know Gary Oldman is a lot. I know Timothy Chalamet is a second runner-up, and if it is a dark horse, it really is Daniel Kalu- uh, Kaluuya. Yeah, yeah. I think so. Yeah. yeah. I feel wrong saying Kaluuya because <laughs> it just sounds like alcohol, you know. Yeah. yeah. Um, but Denzel Washington in Roman J. Esquire, uh, Israel Esquire, is is not half bad at all, and um, that guy he needs to be. He, he's he's going to be in this category for, you know, God knows how many years. I mean, just a solid actor, one of the best. I don't see it not going to Gary Oldman, though. I really don't. He, it, I feel like in that movie, he has speech after speech after speech after speech after speech that's just so on point with um, his character and stuff. And I, I love the transformation, uh, transformation. And I guess he went to the hospital because of how many cigars he was smoking on that or something. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't know. I want Timothy Chalamet to win so much because I just really loved his performance. But at the end of the day, I find myself being like, "Oh yeah, I can't believe Gary Oldman's going to win." Then I'm like, "Wait, no. Gary Oldman is one of my favorites, and he totally deserves it." I think the only thing that like makes me a little upset is this movie, in my opinion, was total Oscar bait. But that's okay because he. He played it so well, and I, I can't complain. Gary Oldman was fantastic. Uh, but that actually transitions, that, that kind of thought right there transitions uh, me into our last category here, which is, of course, uh, Best Picture. The, the nominations are Three Billboards, Shape of Water, The Post, Phantom Thread, Lady Bird, Get Out, Dunkirk, and uh, Call Me By Your Name and Darkest Hour. So the one thing I wanted to say here is I'm a little upset that Darkest Hour got nominated for Best Picture because I felt like it kept uh, I, Tanya, um off of it. And I really liked Itanya a lot more, honestly, than I liked Darkest Hour. So that was my only uh, only film that I would like to, to switch out. Other than that, watch all of these films, most of them at least twice. And... Yeah, I uh, I just really liked all of them. Before we pick, Ryan, go ahead and uh, elaborate a little bit if you'd like. Yeah, definitely watch Dunkirk twice. Definitely. Um, I'm not. I'm normally pretty immune to you know the editing process, uh, but this one for for about five seconds had me had me reeling just a bit. Um, but I have to second your thoughts on the Darkest Hour. It is such a total biographical Oscar clickbait film. And that's not to discredit Gary Oldman's performance whatsoever. It has purely to do with the the film 
And I feel like I, Tanya is a movie that the Academy has a really hard time pulling in because it has the, um, uh, it has editing similar to the big short. If you remember that film from was it one year ago, two years yeah, ago, yeah, yeah, yeah. and it may have been three years ago. I'm so old, but the, the Academy really doesn't like editing like that, where it really breaks the fourth wall at times and, or has a document documentary style, a twist. Um, far as notes go um there's a couple of these movies that i have not seen that i really can't wait to um as far as narrative goes you know the academy really wants to pick the post they really want to they won't um i have a few feelings that who they're going to pick instead of that but you know there's always like a narrative that the academy wants to follow and sometimes they want to soapbox and get political and the post is something they really, really, really want to pick. Um, Get Out is kind of a second to that, but honestly, I, I just feel like Get Out is a legitimately good film, so I don't feel like it, you know, as much. But there's a lot of good talent in this category, and if it went to anything except for The Darkest Hour, I feel like, and possibly The Phantom Thread in some ways, but Daniel Zee was is a good actor. Um, I feel like he'd be justified. You know, I feel like there's not a whole lot of Oscar clickbait this year compared to most years. Some years, it just gets too gratuitous. Um, but this year seems to be the exception, especially with, what is it, let's see, nine, nine nominations. That's yeah. pretty incredible. Nine nominations and one, maybe two, let's call it one and a half, um, Oscar clickbait sure. films. So. So the one thing I, I want to say before we make picks is that we completely botched a category. And by botched, I mean missed. Um, that's my fault. I've been leading the conversation here. We did not pick a director. Um, so oh, be, be, my <laughs> goodness. That's not good. <laughs> before, before we uh, give our final picks for best picture here, let's very briefly just run through the directing category because I already feel very confident in my pick. Uh, we have Christopher Nolan for Dunkirk. Uh, Jordan Peele for Get Out, Greta Gerwig for Lady Bird, Paul Thomas Anderson for Phantom Thread, and Guillermo del Toro for Shape of Water. I have no reservations about this pick. I think Guillermo del Toro is going to win this one. Man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to definitely dark horse this one a little bit, um, but uh, I'm going to go Greta Gerwig on this one. Very good, very good. I I would love to see any one of these five uh, people win it. Honestly, I, I like all of them and all five of their movies were spectacular in their own right. And yeah, but I, I don't know. I, I'm very influenced by the, the conversation on this. Cause everyone seems to be talking about how Guillermo del Toro's got this one in the bag, but I could see Jordan Peele as a dark horse here. Christopher Nolan finally got a nomination and Dunkirk was just so good. Paul Thomas Anderson never disappoints. So yeah, it's uh I don't know. I, I feel pretty confident that uh, Del Toro is going to win this one. But we will see in a couple of days here. Okay, last thing we have to do here is uh, make our best picture picks. And I am being completely honest right now in that I have thought about this for weeks and weeks. And up until this moment, I still don't have a pick that I feel confident in. Um, I, In my opinion, it's coming down to three films. So I, I see... And I, I kind of parallel this to last year. So last year I felt like La La Land and uh, Manchester by the Sea were both really strong contenders. And then Moonlight was also a contender, but more of the Dark Horse candidate. For me this year, I view that as Shape of Water and Three Billboards kind of being the two front runners, and Get Out being that Dark Horse candidate. Um, I, for as much as I loved Dunkirk, I just don't think the Academy is going to go for it. And I also really loved Call Me By Your Name, and it might be my favorite movie of the year along with Lady Bird, but they don't seem to be legitimate contenders for it. So on the spot now, having to make a pick for Best Picture, I am going to go with Get Out. And that's my maybe my, my boldest uh, pick of the night here. But uh, Ryan, what do you think for Best Picture? Man, you just went completely dark horse in it. I like it. I like it. Um, 
you know, my thought process behind it is, uh, like I said before, the Post, you know, that's like their, that's their political statement. That's what they want to make. But I don't think they're going to make it this year. And I think it's either, you know, the favorite is either, like you said, The Shape of Water or Three Billboards. And the real Dark Horses, you know, political statement is Get Out and Lady Bird. There's just such young raw talent in those two films um man i i gotta give the three billboards though that is it's it's hard not to pick that one yeah yeah so my my the one thing that just kept sticking in the back of my head as i was going through these films is that in my opinion the last two years dark horses won so two years ago it was spotlight uh, the Mark Ruffalo film, and then last year, of course, Moonlight won. Neither of those films came into the award ceremony like the clear front runner. Not that there was necessarily a clear front runner, although I would argue La La Land was a pretty clear front runner last year. So I am just gonna try to keep riding that train of uh, Dark Horse, and and we'll see what happens. I don't know. The only you alluded to this. The only film I'm gonna be upset if it wins is Darkest Hour, but I can't imagine a world where that happens um yeah these were all films that i i enjoyed um had no reservations with them except for darkest hour being a little bit of uh, oscar bait but yeah i mean we we'll see what happens I, i did like get out um thought it was a really important film and just spectacular that that was jordan peele's uh kind of uh first first shot at and that's what he came up with was was really cool to see so um yeah ryan do you have any last second uh thoughts on this year's oscars who's hosting oscars this year jimmy kimmel's hosting it again oh wow um about other predictions that i have um I, you know, I really don't see that they're going to mess up the, the, the best picture winner this year. I can't imagine they do that tomorrow, <laughs> right? <laughs> you wouldn't think so, no. Yeah. What are your thoughts on uh, on late-night hosts? How do they rank for you? Oh, oh late-night hosts. Wow, this is um, out of left field. Oh, uh, yeah. Are we, are we, are we um, throwing in late-night, like late-late hosts? Are you As talking well, like uh, Carson Daly or what? No, anyone anyone who's on after 10 p.m. qualifies in my book. All right. All right. So, you know, uh, I think that the real dark horse winner of this entire thing is that uh, I don't remember if he's Scottish or he's Irish, um, but he's not. You can't watch him on American cable. Um, is his name? Uh <laughs> that is Dark Horse. That's so Dark Horse. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Um, but first, I, I got to go Colbert. Sure, um, sure. And I think that his show has really uh, developed over the years. And, and not over the years. I think it's only been like three years, I, I believe. Um, yeah. Yeah, and it, it's gone from it, people were really complaining about his records for the longest time. Um uh, with the uh, you know audience and stuff like that, but it's really developed over the year. But I will give him that you know a lot of it has to do with things uh, politically and stuff like that. People are really drawn to a political um, uh, show nowadays. That's the reason why Seth Meyers is kind of thriving right now. Yeah. Uh, as opposed to before that, people were very concerned about that that time slot. Um, Man, but I gotta go. Uh, Colbert number one, number two, Jimmy Kimball. Jimmy Kimball. I yeah, really like yeah. his, I, and I think it has to do with a lot of his uh, connections in LA and stuff like that. How he's able to, uh, he's interacting with sports. He's interacting with politics. He's interacting with uh, celebrity. I mean, he's he's all over the place. Uh, and I can't say that is you know the same everywhere else. Um, third is Fallon. I feel like he's kind of, um, he's kind of dropped off recently. And I feel like that a lot of it has to do with the fact that, you know, Americans don't want the, the very posh, uh, fun, let's be silly show. I think that we're kind of in like a very serious time. Uh, and then behind him is Seth Meyers 
and then behind him is Je- uh, uh, Corden. Yeah, James, 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 not Josh, James yeah. Corden. Um, but the dark horse here, I don't know if you know, you've heard of him, but Graham Norton. Oh yeah, I know of, Graham Norton. Show okay, killer, absolutely, killer. he's great. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, side note, Carson Daly is last. Carson Daly will <laughs> last. Last <laughs> in the ratings and in the time slot. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And um, yeah, he's. Uh, I, I like his music acts, but he's just kind of a very uninteresting person, you know. And of course, his his show format is completely different. Like, it's not even. It's unfair that I'm even throwing him in this category, but I'm just doing it yeah. just because that's the way it's set up, you know. So. Well, if they if they push Carson Daly back any further into the night, he's going to start hosting the zeroth hour of the Today Show. So, uh, <laughs> serious. <laughs> uh, well, great. That's uh, that's the podcast. I I mentioned in our conversation before we started that I tried to keep it to thirty to forty minutes. I'm glad to see that we we did make it in that time frame. So no worries about going on too long. But. Uh, Ryan Ligon, do you want to give a, a, a quick highlight of, of your current podcast that you're hosting? Uh, yeah, man. Uh, check us out on YouTube. We're at Car Ride Convos Podcast, also on SoundCloud. Um, uh, we have some crazy stuff in the works. It'll. I'm not going to say when it's coming out, what exactly it is, but there's some weird stuff coming up. And Just, just stay tuned. And the reason why you should really stay tuned to the Car Ride Convos Podcast is because we're the only podcast that could end in a fiery car accident and the resulting death of two people co-hosted the podcast. Thanks for having me on, Quinn. Yeah, you're going to be on edge the whole time. It's as much a thriller as it is a comedy and just people talking. So I appreciate that. Ryan, we'll hang on to you for one second uh, after the podcast ends to wrap things up and and get you your payment, of course. But uh, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, this has been the uh, Beantown Podcast with Quinn David Furness. Uh, I do want to give my listener discretion is advised tag just in case there are any uh, adult words that we use after this, which is not going to happen. Uh, first, might be using some uh, profane language here and there. And second, the podcast is just objectively terrible. Anyways, this has been the Oscars predictacular, <coughs> excuse me. Uh, the Oscars are Sunday, March 4th at sometime, I don't know, when the sun goes down. Jimmy Kimmel's hosting. Uh, be sure to check it out. It's on ABC. Uh, thanks for listening if you made it this far, and I hope you are having a great weekend. Bye.